0: Well, um, as, we, as we head into this, um, I, I've just been, I've been praying, okay, this is the, the week before Easter and we're heading up into um, Resurrection Sunday and all kinds of, of great things. And I know that you probably um, you know, have, have all family commitments and things that are going on, but I want to just take that time to just reset some things on the inside of us. That, um, that I believe that God is wanting to, to do as we, as we head into this, this season, um, to reset our souls. There's this, um, there's this thing, as I, as I was thinking about the whole reset thing and we've been talking about computers and things like that. Um, and as I was praying the Lord, I was literally on my MacBook and I was preparing for the message this week and the same um, little thing comes up in the top right-hand corner of my screen and this this notification has come up every day for the past year and it says this would you like to install your update Does anybody can anybody relate to the the absolute fear that comes over you like when you're like i don't know if i, I nope and every single day i kid you not cuz it comes up every day on my macbook Every day when I open it up and it comes up, I always choose this thing that says this. These are the choices. Right now, tonight, or remind me tomorrow. Literally every day, every day for this entire year, I have clicked on the exact same button, remind me tomorrow. In other words, you can't tell me what to do. And I like the way that things are, right? And, and I do it for two reasons. One, I'm impatient, and I don't know if this is going to take five minutes or the entire day, and I don't want to waste that time, and I don't want to commit to it, because that means that all of a sudden everything's going to get reset and all of that stuff. And the other reason that I don't do it is because I'm scared. I'm scared that, because I've heard horror stories from some of you that have testified that, like... That you've done it, you've installed the update, and all of a sudden now you've lost all your files and you can't retrieve anything and all those things. And, and it, what it really boils down to is that I would love the update. I probably would like some of the new things, but I, I fear the risk of downloading it and uh, what that means for us. And, and as I was praying about it, it was funny. As I was, as I was clicking on that button, the Lord was like, isn't that so much like the human condition? We want the benefit but we don't necessarily want the risk of downloading the update. We, we, we we're like, yeah, I, I, I want the benefits, the blessings of the Lord, but they come with a risk. They come with, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a stepping out, with a, with a risk of faith, and I don't necessarily know if I want that more than I want my own comfort. And even as we've been fasting, or maybe even choosing to fast, or maybe you got to Tuesday and you're like, I hate my pastor, and I don't want to do this anymore, and I think that he's legalistic, and I can't even believe this is archaic, you know, we can't do this anymore, even on Tuesday or Wednesday when you're deciding, I'm going to say no and beep at my flesh and say, no, you're not going to do the thing that you want to do, we come to this place where there's a risk involved, and Lord, I, I, I hope that there's a blessing on the other side of this pain and you've probably heard this the saying like new new levels bring new devils right or i think in the avengers movie it says um with great power comes great responsibility Um, the reality is that any growth any change any promotion in your life comes with risk it comes with anxiety and fear sometimes And I've said this before, sometimes you just have to do it scared. And uh, I think we finally will come to the place where we accept change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Have you ever been there where you're like, and I'm in a place of comfort, I'm liking where I'm at. I'd like to go further, but I understand that there's going to be pain involved. And many times we we choose to stay where we're at because the pain of staying the same is still less than the pain of change. But when we get to the place where we realize that where we want to be is greater than where we are, we're willing to, to undergo the pain of change in our life. And uh, and we find that there's greater freedom on the other side of it, and we embrace it to a, to a whole other degree, and that, which is why I continue until even today this morning of clicking remind me tomorrow. Until I'm faced with the reality that God says you're going to be incompatible unless you choose to update. You need to move forward unless you choose to update. We are no longer supporting you unless you choose to update. We are no longer going to have any tech support unless you choose to update. I think, honestly, I think there's something on the inside of us, even as Christians, where we, like God is coming to the point of just saying, you got to choose to download this update. Like in order for you to move forward to this next level that you so desperately want to, you're going to have to say, kicking it down the road and say, oh, remind me tomorrow. Could you just remind me tomorrow? Could you? Maybe tomorrow. I'll do this tomorrow. And God says, no, you've got to submit yourself today so that you can be walking in what it is that he has for you tomorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And what I would say is this, and what I at least found in my own life, I, I love that scripture, and that's a great promise, right? The old is gone, the new has come. Um, I would say that, that it's not so much the acquiring of the new that we fear, it's the letting go of the old. Isn't it? Just with my whole, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow. It's not that I don't want the benefit. It's not that I don't want the update. It's not that I'm sure there's amazing, cool things. I'm sure there's, I don't know, fun stuff that I would probably like to be in. But I don't necessarily want the risk of giving up the old. And the risk of that is change. And what we find is that the hardest part of maturity is not the gaining of wisdom. It's the disposing of our foolishness. Isn't it? It's choosing to say, like, God, I want the salvation, but I don't want to give up my sin. And walking in obedience to him, realizing that it's the only way forward. It's not the, it's not the learning of, of truth that derails us. What I found, it's, the, it's more of the unlearning of the lies that we believed as truth all of these years and giving those up and saying, God, I, I realize that I've thought that this is the way, but I realized that my way was dysfunctional. And so I'm choosing to walk in the light of your truth and to give up what I thought was truth, but was really a lie. And it's this willingness. And maybe you found this, I, my prayer is that as you've been like fasting and going through this together, um, that it is our willingness to, to really come alongside and to receive the new and to release the old that will eventually either cap you out or catapult you in your spiritual walk. It's that give and take. It's, God, I want the new, and I will release the old. And God says, I, I, I need room to be able to, to put in you what I have for you, but you've got to give up that which you have been holding on to. Turn with me to, to Mark chapter 10. We're going we're gonna to be anchored in, in this scripture, and, um, and you can kind of put a marker in there, but um, as we're heading into Easter, I was, I was going through just the, the days, the weeks before before Jesus' death, and um, it's funny, I was realizing that the 12 disciples were, um, didn't deal with change or the impending change or the need for change, that... Um, they didn't deal with it as well as I thought that they would have, and they're probably a whole lot of like a mess, like you and I are, which hopefully you you can, you can relate to. Um, there are three times in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus communicates that he is going to um, die, to be buried, and then he's going to rise again. He does it once in chapter eight, Mark chapter eight, once in chapter nine, Mark chapter nine, and then in chapter ten, where we're gonna where we're gonna kind of be focused on today. Um, In Mark chapter eight, Jesus pulls his disciples aside and he tells them, look guys, I'm gonna suffer. I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to rise on the third day. He literally tells them this. He tells his, his disciples this. And we find in this in this story, in Mark chapter 8, and you can read it on your own, that that um, Peter does not like this kind of awkward talk. And so he pulls Jesus aside and he starts rebuking Jesus. Imagine rebuking Jesus. It's like, Jesus, no, it's not happening. I'm not going to allow it to happen. This change, this thing that you're talking about, I'm, I'm actually going to resist it so much that I'm going to make sure that it doesn't even happen to you. The words that you speak and and Jesus looks right at Peter in Mark chapter 8 verse 33 and he says get thee behind me Satan get behind me and he says you don't have the the mind you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns in other words, Peter, I know that you're fearing this thing that I'm talking about, but I'm just telling you, you don't quite understand the benefit of this download. You don't quite understand that, that this pain that, you're gonna be, that I'm going to be going through on your behalf is worth the benefit. So the thing that you're fighting, you think you're fighting it, and you think that it's a good thing, but it's actually the, the worst thing. And then in Mark chapter 9, that, that kind of ends, and Peter's like, whoo, okay, Mark chapter 9. Jesus pulls his disciples aside a second time, and he says, guys, guys, look, I'm, I'm going to be betrayed by the hands of men. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. And the disciples automatically start having a conversation, a heated debate among themselves. Jesus is walking ahead of them, and all 12 of them are in a discussion. And you would think that they'd be talking about, like, okay, how can we support Jesus? I mean, this is a pretty big deal. Like, what, what does this mean for the world? What does this mean for, for where we're headed and, and, and the trajectory of this ministry? And what is this? You'd think that they'd be talking about that, but they weren't. They were talking about who was the greatest disciple. They're arguing about it, actually. Like, I, I'm literally, all 12 of them are just, like, Jesus just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And they're like, I think I'm Jesus' favorite. <laughs> Thomas, I doubt it, right? <laughs> I think I'm Jesus' favorite. John, you're a suck up, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm Jesus' favorite. Peter's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You guys heard it. Jesus said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. I'm the rock. I'm me, Peter, I'm the rock. That's my name. I think Jesus knows that I am the most responsible here. And Jesus overhears them talking. He's not in this conversation. He overhears them and he asks them a question. He says, What are you guys talking about? And they literally go, hmm, Nothing. Hmm, nothing. Wait, nothing. They're, they're silent. They don't even tell Jesus what they're talking about. And then we get to Mark chapter 10, and Jesus. Pulls them aside for the third time. And he tells them in gruesome detail this, this. It gets a little bit more and more detailed every single time he tells them. And let me read it for you in Mark chapter 10, verse 33, where we're gonna get focused in on today. He says, we're going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. This is the third time. And Jesus is like, look, guys, I'm, you're not quite understanding that this needs to happen, but I, I, I need you to understand what we're about to walk through. Um, I'm about to walk through a lot of pain here. And what's interesting to me is that... And I'd like to say that I don't relate at all and that these guys are just boneheaded. But they do it again. They start to feel insecure. All of a sudden, like, the future is uncertain and the fears come in and they're like, what was Jesus talking about? He's going to die and he's going to get spit on and mocked. And What does that, what does that mean? And, and they start to feel like, uh, 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 they start jockeying for position and they start thinking to themselves Probably questions like you and I would, like, well, what's my position? What's my power? What's my 401k plan? How much, how much is my stimulus check going to be? And is there going to be full dental in the kingdom of heaven, or am I going to have to pay into it? Like, what? Oh, my goodness. Like, all, what does this mean for me? And even though they are literally walking with the creator of the universe in bodily form, and he's telling them, I'm about to die for you, we're going to go through this, but there's a benefit for this download, and they start just getting insecure. And their anxiety and insecurity starts driving them for a need for control, and they start to devise a plan. Only this time it's not the 12, it's two guys. James and John, they're brothers. They're called, they're called the, the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder, right? I think that they kind of had like this, like um, they, were just, they were just known for being a, probably a boisterous couple of brothers. And uh, let's just say that at, at, at least. These two guys, they come up to Jesus and they're like, okay, we got a plan. We've been talking. But we got to get Jesus on board first. In verse 35 of Mark chapter 10, it says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want, I love this question, because if you have kids, you'll know this question. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) You ever ever have your kids come out to you and do that? Hey, dad, uh, I have a question, but I need you to say yes first. (laughs) Literally, they're like, We got a plan. Jesus, it's a really good plan. I promise you, and I'm about ready to tell you, but I need you to say yes before I tell you the plan. And they, they go and they ask this question. I would like to say that I can't relate, but here's the reality. How many times have I gone to Jesus saying, Jesus, I've got a plan and I need you to say yes. I, under, I know what's, what, what's supposed to happen. I just need you to say yes to my plan and then everything's gonna work out really good if you, just, if you could just do that. If you could just say yes, and after Jesus probably takes a deep breath in verse 36, he says this, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, what's the question first? Come on. What's, what's, what is it that you want? And in verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. In other words, Jesus, it's really totally your choice. I mean, it is really up to you. You can choose which, which brother, James or John, right? Like who you want to sit at your right and who you want to sit at your left. You can, but it's your choice. You can do whatever you want. Either way, we are calling shotgun, Right? Either way, just want you to know, don't talk to the other guys, but we're we're coming in and and, and I really, you know, we're we're calling, if you need some more time to pray about it, I'll give you five minutes, you can get back to us, right? That's fine. And here's the reality, I don't want you to forget this, Jesus just shares with them about how he's going to be suffering, what he's about to undergo, and all of a sudden their fear and their insecurity takes over and they start going into self-preservation panic mode. God, what does this mean for me? What is what 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 is what's going to happen to to me? And they think that calling shotgun is the answer. Again, I wish that I couldn't relate. I wish that this seemed so preposterous, but I find that many times as we are following Jesus, we want to make it all about ourselves. God, what does this what does this mean for me? I think that's the beauty of what we've been doing over this past week of fasting, of just saying, like, no, this isn't all about me. I'm actually going to say no to me so I can say yes to God. I'm actually going to beat back the part that, that, that isn't godly, and I'm going to say yes to whatever it is that you have for me. In other words, and rather than me saying, God, I want you to do whatever it is that I want you to do for me, I say yes to you, God, whatever it is that you call me to. And that is how it switched. This is the thing that even I, I pray these guys learn through this. Verse 38, Jesus responds. He says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the bapti- baptism I am baptized with? To which... Look, I, I know that you've read this before, maybe you've heard this before, but I, I, I don't know. I would be a little bit confused, a little bit lost as to Jesus's, like, can you do this? Can you drink the drink? Can you get baptized with the baptism? They respond very simply and probably quickly, I don't know, verse 39, they say, we can. Yeah. He'll drink the drink. I'll do the baptism, right? Yep. We're in it to win it, Jesus. Yeah, we can do this thing. I'm, I'm totally in, right? We're, we're into this. We can do it. Yeah, Absolutely. But about that question that we just had, though, if you could get back to that, that'd be great. See, what Jesus is saying to us, and I think he's saying to these guys, is like, guys, I know you want the greatness, but are you willing to humble yourself? I know you want the benefits of the update, but are you willing to risk the download? I, 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 I know that you... I know that it's nice and the popularity of being associated with me right now, but but will you stay with me even when everybody else leaves? Where are you going to be in a few days? Verse 39, Jesus prophesies over them. He says, oh, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. In other words, many historians say that James was actually the, the first to be martyred of the 12, 12 apostles, 12 disciples. And, and John was the last to die as he was imprisoned on the prison island of, of Patmos, exiled. He says, oh, no, you, you will. You don't know what you're talking about. Like you, you guys are like, yeah, yeah, I'll drink the drink and he'll do the... Um, or I'll, maybe I'll, he'll drink the drink because I don't know what the drink is, I'll, I'll, but I'll do the baptism. And Jesus is like, you don't know what you're talking about, but you will. You, you will. You will. And he says in verse 40, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Ironically, as Jesus hung on the cross, the disciples are nowhere to be seen And do you realize that the two men that will occupy the positions to Jesus' right and to Jesus' left are two thieves? Think about that for a minute. He's like, "You, you don't even know what you're asking. But you will. You will. Meanwhile, verse 41, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Not because, not what you'd think. You'd you'd think it because, I can't believe that James and John would have such a preposterous and self-serving conversation with Jesus. No, they're just upset that James and John had it first. (laughs) They're just upset that like, James and John called shotgun and now the rest of them have to sit in the back seat, feet on the hump, and they're not excited about this reality. And verse 42, Jesus calls them together and he says, some of the most significant, upside-down, life-changing things, if we can grasp them. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's like, you guys, you guys know what it's like. I mean, you're living under this kind of dictator, this kingship, dictatorship thing. This, you understand what authority and how people lord uh, authority over you? He's like, is that what you aspire to? Like, is that what, is this whole, like, I'm calling, I'm calling shotgun, like, you aspire to, to, to lord power over people like it's been lorded over you? Like, are you just hoping that one day you're going to climb to the top of this heap and sit as the king of the trash heap and think, I've, I've arrived? Like, is this, is this really what we're going for, guys? And then Jesus says these four words that just echo in my spirit. I pray they echo in your spirit all week. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. Not so. It's this, we've been talking about ancient paths. It's like this secret, this this key, this, this thing that seems so preposterous to us, this ancient path about how the kingdom works. And it is so ridiculous. It's like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to win by losing? How in the world is this even, how how am I supposed to even do this? He says, not so with you. And he says, instead, catch catch this. It's not just this is wrong. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. And this isn't just countercultural to these guys. This is completely upside down to everything that we know to be true, even in our own current culture. Like, it is complete. The kingdom of God is completely upside down. He's like, if you want to be great, you, you must become a servant. And if you want to be first, you've got to become slave of all. The way up is down. And it is completely upside down to um, kind of what we grow in. And I think Jesus knows that this is completely countercultural. I think he knows that this does not come natural to us. It's natural to us to be selfish it's natural to us to look out for ourselves. It's natural to us to, to grab all that we can get. And Jesus says, Not so with you. The world will lead from top down and Lord power over you. Not so with you. Greatness in God's eyes is leading from the bottom. And how are we supposed to lead from the bottom up? And, 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 and who are we supposed to be a servant to? This is where I don't like it. In verse 44, it says, whoever wants to be the first must be slave. Catch these last two words. Of all? All? Excuse me. Of all. Like, you're telling me that, like, in order to be first, I've got to be slave. I mean, who is all? All? It's really the difference between volunteering and being a servant. Volunteering is an act. Being a servant is a a lifestyle. Volunteering is what the world does to make make, make them feel like they're giving back. But being a servant is what the church does, and it literally turns everything on its head. Turns everything on its head because serving those above us is what everybody does. Because we have to, right? You got a boss, yeah, even if you don't like, I'm gonna serve, right? I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna honor, those types of things. And what Jesus is doing, that takes it to a whole nother level, is that we're supposed to serve those above us and below us the same. Which is so vulnerable. Like we win by losing, we... We gain by giving up. Like it doesn't make any sense. And yet this principle plays itself out over and over and over and over again, whether it's finances. Wait, I give and then I get more. That doesn't even make sense. If I give, I have less. He says, no, if you give, you have more. (sighs) I don't think so. I don't know. And he says, try me in this. Actually, one, one time he says, test me in this. It's this upside down thing that he's not only speaking to his disciples, I believe he speaks to every single one of us that we're supposed to serve like Jesus serves us. Verse 45, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why don't you stand with me? I wanna end with this scripture and I want, I want it to just wash over you today. The apostle Paul writes about this servant leadership that is exhibited only in the life of Jesus and how it is that we're supposed to live this way and how it is that we're supposed to download this update that only comes through us submitting and, and not saying, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow. Paul writes about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verse one. 1 through 11. Let me just read it. Just, maybe you can just close your eyes, get in a place of receiving. He says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to our own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, consider this. Did not consider himself, or did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the good part. to the glory of God the Father. It's this beautiful thing that on the cross, Jesus won through losing. On the cross, he was victorious through defeat. He achieves power through weakness. He comes to greatness through giving it all away. And I just want to encourage you today as we head into this Passion Week, as we head into Easter, and I know you guys have been doing Passover and taking part in these different, these different things. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled at your presence. To say, Jesus, my prayer is not so much I want you to do for me whatever I ask you to do, but that our hearts would flip And we would come to the place of obedience and surrender to say, Jesus, I commit to saying yes to whatever it is that you ask me, even if I don't like it, even if it feels vulnerable, and even if it puts me in a place where I don't necessarily feel like I'm in control. I surrender to you, Jesus. And so Lord, we lift you up all around this place. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every single person in here, whether they feel like they are far from you and this is the first day where they choose to make this stand of saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I don't even know if I know you, but I want to know this God, this creator, this loving father that so cared for me that that he came down and humbled himself and made a way where there seemed to be no way for me. And I surrender my life today to you, Jesus. And maybe there's an area of your life where you've you've been pushing off and you've literally been clicking, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow. You just remind me tomorrow. Lord Jesus, I choose today is the day is the day to lay down my pride and to lift up humility Why? Because of what you've done for me. Jesus, I thank you for the power that is only found in you. And it is preposterous and it makes absolutely no sense unless we know the power of the humility of the cross. So Lord, I pray you would order our steps this week as we go about your day, that you would have your way in us. May your love, pour through us and overflow out of us to those above us and those below us in Jesus name we pray amen 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 God bless you God bless you if you're here you need some prayer we've got a prayer team right over here that would love to to just pray over you if you need a prayer in any area of your life make sure you stop by over there I'll be over in our connect corner I'd love to just greet you personally welcome you to New Life Church. God bless you. Have an amazing week.